Hey, it's Chris Porter from Last Comic Standing. You know the season from 1957. You listen to PF's tape recorder. Dig it. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, Sam Morrill. There's a type of person who gets offended, and sometimes I don't think. Like, there's things that offend me, I just react differently. So I, I, I'm kind of fascinated by it. Like, I used to get more annoyed. But now I'm just like, is that sincere? Or are you acting how you think you should act? Or do you want attention? I don't know, I don't know yeah. what they're doing sometimes. You've seen Sam on all the late-night talk shows, particularly the Conan O'Brien show, where he smashed it on his last appearance. So we'll talk to Sam in a little bit. Uh, been a very trying and stressful week, probably one of the worst weeks of my life, and if you want to hear more about that, uh, stay tuned after the interview with Sam. I also have a favor to ask all y'all. And uh, since I didn't have time to do a dumb bit, obviously, with all that was going on, uh, here's a couple of best dubs for you, and then on to the interview with Sam. First, there was Vanilla Coke. Then, Pepsi jumped on the bandwagon with Pepsi Vanilla. And now, Pepsi is trying to rip off Coke in an even bigger way. Introducing Pepsi Coke. It's Pepsi with the flavor of Coke. Mmm, I haven't had Pepsi this good since the last time I had a Coke. That's because the can says Pepsi, but the taste says Coke. Wow, Pepsi Coke is awesome. See, some 20-something gulped it down and said it was awesome, so it's gotta be good. And it comes in every possible variety. There's Diet Pepsi Coke 1, Caffeine-Free Pepsi Coke, Caffeine-Free Diet Pepsi Coke, Cherry Pepsi Coke, Lemon Cherry Diet Pepsi Coke Blue, and Caffeine-Free Lemon Cherry Diet Pepsi Coke Blue with Caffeine. Wow, I had no idea the taste of all my favorite Pepsi flavors would taste better with a taste of Coke. Take the Pepsi Coke taste test today and see if you can tell if you're tasting Pepsi or Coke or both. Pepsi Coke. It's the Pepsi name you know with the taste of Coke you love. How many times has this happened to you? I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to the restroom. Hmm. Flounders or snappers? Ooh. Let's try snappers. Ooh, sorry, wrong door. If you're a guy or girl on the go, then you know theme restaurant bathroom designations can be misleading. But now you don't ever have to be confused again because you've got the Restroom Thesaurus. The Restroom Thesaurus lists every possible combination of male-female euphemism. Blokes and birds, bantams and hands, shoots and ladders, bobsleds and moguls, endomorphs and gynecomorphs. Yes, the Restroom Thesaurus is your one-stop source for avoiding embarrassing entrances into the wrong bathroom. Seafood restaurants. Oh, let's see. Buoys and gulls, bulkheads and portholes, hornpipes and shanties. Oh, here we go. Flounders are men. All right. Never walk into the wrong restroom again with the Restroom Thesaurus because you don't want to take a shot in the dark. Sam Merle is a stand-up comedian you've seen on Conan O'Brien and as well as other talk shows. Uh, you may have also seen him performing live in New York where he is based. Of course, he tours around the country headlining clubs as well. And again, uh, please stay tuned after the interview. I have a favor to ask all y'all. But in the meantime, here's our interview with Sam Merle. Pretty good. How are you? All right. Um, so I was I, trying to think back. I think we did this last year, but then I can't remember at all what we talked about. And I'm thinking, well, wait, maybe I know I tweeted about your uh, 
performance on uh, Conan last year. You really smashed it. But then I think maybe I talked. Oh, to, thanks, man. Yeah, but then I think maybe I talked to one of your buddies right after that and mentioned it. Some you do a podcast with somebody? Joe Mackey, Paul Hamlet. No, it wasn't. No, I guess it was you I talked to then because I tried to talk to Joe before and Joe's kind of shy. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was you because we talked about that. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to get another one together. I just saw actually I was at a party last night for the festival and I saw the Tonight Show guy and the Conan guy and they both like, please let's get one going. So I'm like, all right, I'll get something together. You know? Cool. Do you have a premise set up for it? I have a lot of jokes that I think are pretty strong, and some are stronger than others, and we'll see what people take to. Okay, cool. All yeah. right. Well, that, that's I'll just try them all out. I'll see what's hidden. If someone was telling me that with, with some of the shows, you have to, um, they actually take, uh, select jokes you know, with you out of your set that they think will work, and then others are like, ah, just, just have at it. But I can't remember which shows are which that, that do that. Yeah. Yeah, Conan's pretty cool about that because it's TBS, and also they just kind of like, I've been on it three times now, so I think he kind of trusts me a little more. And other ones would trust me. But then also, you know, standards and practices on a network like a CBS or, oh, yeah. or an NBC are much more uh, crude than than a cable channel. Isn't that amazing in 2017 that that still happens? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? I mean, uh, there's a lot of bad shit happening right now, not just in the entertainment business, but I guess it's always been happening, and now it's coming to light. But then... You're like, well, it's just a fucking joke. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, have you seen if you started, by the way, or is it just talking? Oh, no, we started. Oh, and I wanted to ask if we could use the audio on the podcast. I'm sorry. I'm still a little out of it. I, uh, I didn't know. Oh, okay. So this is like an audio interview. It is an audio interview. Yeah. I mean, it'll okay, be for print, right. and for print and audio. Yeah. Kind of, I kind of use sure. both. So I usually do the disclaimer up front and ask if we can use the audio. <laughs> all right, all right. I was running a little bit late, but, um, yeah, it just it it just uh, seems I've had this discussion before with with people, you know, and everyone's talking about you know PC and what offends people, and and then, and of course the the line most people agree on in comedy is that well if it's funny it's funny and if it's not it's not. Yeah, usually the audience lets you know, right? I mean, it's not uh, it's not hard to tell. Sometimes I'll stick with something like a premise. I'll, I'll say a premise, and maybe I'm not properly servicing. The, the premise is the punchline's not going to last because if I thought it's funny, I think there's something there. Yeah. Well, this is, I um, teach comedy writing to, to young people on Saturdays sometimes, and I came up with a little formula that the. Do you believe you can teach comedy? Or do um, you, uh, what do you think? Well, it's more of, it's, it's called writing for laughs, so I, it, it's not so much, because like Jimmy Pardo says, you have to have funny in your bones to begin with. But I think if you have right, the funny in your bones, you can I can teach you how to express it better, how to economize words. And one of the little formulas I came up with is the punchline has to be greater than the premise. So, for example, I don't know if you saw Norm Macdonald years and years ago. This uh, when the um, when the croco crocodile hunter passed away, he came on the Daily Show and was talking to John Stewart about it. And John Stewart says, "Don't make me laugh about this, please." And we love the crocodile hunter. My girls were huge fans. But Norm Macdonald made me laugh about the crocodile hunter's passing. It was amazing because his jokes were so funny, they overcame the premise of, you know, this man's tragic loss. Someone who's very near and dear to it. But it's a you know, very rare talent for people that can do that. So I tell my students, you know, if you, if you think the punchline's funnier than the premise, have at it. But keep that in mind. You've got to make sure that it is. Right. Well, I mean, I think 
with the crocodile hunter, right? That was fresh. So that the, the right. difficulty too, where if, it, if you're doing it right when it happens, you're trying to make a top of a joke about something that's upsetting to a lot of people. Yeah, right. you got to have a good turn on it, or else you, sometimes I'll say stuff, and uh, and I'll and there'll be an awkward silence, and I'm like, "There's a joke coming. I'm not just <laughs> telling you something terrible, you know." <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I have a joke that I'm taping my special next month and I have a joke about the baby that got eaten by the alligator at Disney and it's really not about that, but right. that's, I use that to get to something else, but yeah. it's really about a woman that got really offended by that joke and about like why she was offended and I just kind of break down that and, uh, it's to me, a, a, it's a fun way it's the only place left where we can we can do that, right? I mean, like socially, you'll you'll be kind of a pariah if you're that type of person and let you hang out with comics all the time. But like, right. I feel like people go to a comic club. Not everyone, but I think a lot of people want that. They want to. I'm not going to say like challenge. That sounds pretentious, but I mean they want something that they wouldn't normally hear every day. And and I think yes. there's a challenge to making someone laugh with a dark premise that gets me excited about writing a joke. So yeah, I don't know that's, that's kind of like, why, that's why I like trying to go to that area or not just dark, but like personal maybe. Or, and, and that's not to say that's all I want to do. I also like to just write a good relationship joke or a okay. good anything joke. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this. I'm a little older than you, but on the uh, Johnny Carson used to, he would do jokes about Abraham Lincoln occasionally, and the audience would groan. And this is in the mid-70s. And then he would look over at Ed and go, too soon. And that became kind of right. a joke, yeah. So you couldn't even do Lincoln jokes 110 years later. <laughs> yeah, but also, like, you know, it's people, there's a type of person who gets offended, and sometimes I don't think, like, there's things that offend me, I just react differently. So I, I, I'm kind of fascinated by it. Like, I used to get more annoyed. But now I'm just like, is that sincere? Are you acting how you think you should act, or do you want attention? I don't know, I don't know yeah. what they're doing sometimes. When I'll say, like, sometimes... The audience response, like, the audience response, they have to like not get annoyed because they'll do things that, like, I'll be like, ah, I just had a breakup, and and and, and I'm like trying to get to a joke, and someone will go, oh, <laughs> like, is that real? <laughs> is that a real thing? Well, I, I don't know. That might so be. I, I think so I have to kind of figure that out. It, it, it sounds like, or like maybe I'll, that won't be the line that they use. Like, it'll be like a punchline. And instead of laughing, they're just like, they're like, hmm. And I'm like, well, that's definitely not what I'm going for. <laughs> you know, so. Well, I think it's different, too, with, with social media. I think, like you're saying, it's people want to go out and hear something they, they don't hear, but from a professional humorist, not stuff you see on Facebook. If, you know, if you're not a, known for being funny or particularly, you, you know, I think it has a different, it's got a much different context. Humorist. You don't hear that. You don't hear that one often. I'm, I told you I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a New Yorker comedian or something. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I try to stay on social media a little bit now with my comedy because I find that it's not, it's just not making me feel good anymore. It's just not, <laughs> I don't like it right now. I, it's, it's just like people just get a mob mentality on these things and it's everyone's like, it's like, oh, who can top the joke of this? Yeah. I guess, I don't know. It, it doesn't make me feel good. It's just like I look at it and I've never looked at Twitter for like five minutes and then like that was a good use of my time. <laughs> you know, I, it, it's it's a way to get away yeah. and then you realize you're not getting away. You're you're in the trap. I, I was talking to Andy Kindler a couple of weeks ago and he was uh, 
he said a, a comic. I can't remember who the what the woman's name was, but she said she didn't realize that uh, her jokes had an answer until there was Twitter, which I thought was right. brilliant. And now I I no longer comment on comedians' jokes. I'll just if, if it's a really good joke, I'll put the little laughy face. If it's a chuckle, I'll put the like. But I no longer uh, make comments unless it's someone I personally know, like a comic from here in Cincinnati. I may say something like, you know, oh, brilliant. We'll put that in your set or something like that. But I probably even do that because yeah, I know because that's not what they're looking for. <laughs> yeah, they're looking I mean, for me to tag it. Like that's part of the game, right? I mean, you get you're on Twitter, you're going to get responses. And and my issue is not the trolling; it's the unoriginal trolling. Like these people. We'll just all make the same joke. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, so I don't get, I'm not like hurt by what you're saying to me, but if they all make this, if they all take the same angle on me, I'm like, why don't you look at the other eight responses right. and see that I made the same joke. You're not even good at trolling. You're a fucking hack troll, you know? <laughs> so if that's your thing, you want to be a troll, take some pride in what you do. Yeah. One fun game I like to play on Twitter nowadays is if, if, if I look in the what's trending and if it's something I was trying to think about, I think, um, Michelle Obama, I think, for example, might have been trending. And I'll play a little game. How far do I have to go down before someone says something horrible about Michelle Obama, who you really shouldn't say anything horrible about? Because she's a nice lady. And, you know, it's, is it six? Is it eight? And it, it was, I think it was 15 before I got to someone saying, you know, posting some horrible rumor about her. And I'm like, there you go. <laughs> That's a fun game you can play on Twitter, kids. I just, yeah, I got to get off it, man. I got to, like, just go away for a while. Like, it, I feel like I'm just... It, it it's like one of the things where you think it's going to make you more connected, but you just, I just feel like lonelier and more isolated after I look at social media. It's not helping me in any way. And it's really should just be used to promote gigs at this point. I mean, I know some people write jokes, but I want my jokes for a live audience and I like performing. I don't want to be a Twitter comedian. I want to yeah. be a standard comedian. It's not like I, I got in this not for likes. I got in this for laughs. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, for a professional, it's probably not a, a good territory for, you know, uh, an amateur. And also, like, I want to go deeper now. Like, the, the young me would just do one-liners, but I want to, like, go further with the joke. Now, not I'm not saying, like, deeper, like, like philosophically deeper, right. but I mean, like, further. Like, I want to add tags. I want to take more angles on. I want to go, I want to make the joke last a little longer than I used to, I guess. Yeah, when you, and, and you can only do that in the moment uh, on stage. Uh, Marin was talking about the other day. Uh, I was catching up with some of the, his episodes, and I think he was talking to somebody about that, where you can, he just, that's all he does is he works primarily live, he just thinks about the funny idea, and, and kind of just keeps going with it, and, you know, you add more stuff to it, and, and uh, that's got to be, the creativity in the moment, that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I guess it is, it is kind of fun, you know, so. Is that, uh, do you do a lot of that, or do you, like, you know, just go over it in your head a bunch during the day when you're walking around, and then and then take it up on stage with some other tags, or did the things pop into your head, or is a little bit of both? What do you mean? When you're when you have a joke and you want to go deeper and add tags to it and and develop it, do you have to develop it on stage and kind of gauge the audience reaction, or do you kind of? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, like I'll sometimes I'll throw an angle out, and sometimes people hate it, and that in a weird way makes me excited about the bit because I guess it's a response to or so many comics will do this thing that drives me nuts, what we call clapter. Well, they're not laughing, they're just clapping and they read it as laughter. Yeah. And it's just, so you're just saying shit they agree with. Oh, you're not yeah. doing anything interesting. You know, I hate comics that are pandery, fucking boring hacks. And uh, I guess, I, yeah, when they don't like a premise, that excites me more than if they do like a premise. But then I'm like, well, here there's somewhere to go. 
So you are based in New York still? Yeah. Okay. Do you? So I guess that's kind of really still the epicenter of live comedy because there's so many places, even though Chicago has more and LA is getting a few more. But so do, do you feel that the, since you've been in it, is the hackiness level increased, decreases, or it always been about the same? I don't know, man. I, I guess I'm around better comics now because I'm doing a little better, but I also, oh, that's there's true. more comics. So there's always yeah. more bad comics. And then just because the comics successful doesn't mean they're not hacky. That's true. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I mean, terrible comics fucking kill it. Because yeah. they're hacks, I feel like always kill. Because they're just, it's safe. Yeah. Well, there's just a lot of terrible comedy, you know, in general. I guess you, you could argue just looking looking at the at television, you know. And it's weird with all the outlets that you have for good comedy, it doesn't bring up the bottom end. But somehow... Well, can these networks take less risks? I mean, it's like, it's despicable. I mean, when's the last time you've seen a good network sitcom? It's, a, it's, a dead, it's becoming dead because they just... They're just doing the same shit. Yeah. It's just the same boring... I, I won't watch any of it. Yeah. Well, we settled in on, on one, that me, myself, and I, and it must have been good because they canceled it after six weeks. Oh, really? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You, you know, know, the poster was weird for that because he, the kid, him as a kid, him as a middle-aged man, him as an old man, they all, none of them looked alike I, that, that is, Yeah, they I did like... I did have like, a problem with that. the show. Yeah, I did have a problem with that, yet uh, they it in each of their separate timelines they all work i liked them all i liked john larroquette i liked the the star the, the kid was my and my wife's really a harsh judge of kids on tv she goes i like the, the the two kids on tv the brother and the stepbrother they're not obnoxious like 13 year old boys are on tv and wisecracking and you know following up you know with the zingers we used to call them back in the 80s so of course I had to yeah so i mean you gotta you gotta go a different way you gotta go further and you gotta go on it and that platform for comedy that no longer feels honest to me yeah, but I guess there's always going to be unless, that. You, unless you're going a different way with it, right? I mean, yeah. Unless, I thought Natural Born Killers, but a funny thing, that movie by uh, Oliver Stone and Tarantino, I think, wrote it, where it's like, they do the sitcom, but it was really dark and terrible, yes. and they'd laugh at like, horrible stuff Roddy Dangerfield would say. Right, yeah. And I was like, well, at least this is different. At least they're making fun. That came out in the early 90s, right? What has network TV done since then? It's the same boring shit. I can't believe so many people like Big Bang Theory. Oh, see so now. Like, uh, why are we not blaming? Why are we not blaming these networks for contributing to the death of funny and dumbing down the country? Well, I have an opinion on Big Bang Theory. That's half of a good show. If you take back out Sheldon and uh, and Amy, that show is is worse than an average sitcom. It's just and I, what I think they try to do is they try to balance uh, trying to be a little smart like Frasier with being completely stupid. Well, I'm not using Married with Children as an example because that show is actually a little smarter than people give it credit for. But you know, trying to, or, uh, like two and a half men, they tried a two and a half minute and mix it with Frasier, and it, and the 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 dumb shit is so dumb that it's it's almost unwatchable. But the smart stuff you kind of stick around for because I I think that's at least different. And I kind of think the uh, that the Sheldon character is almost like his hero, the character's hero, Mr. Spock, and that he's you know kind of a a true fish out of water. And I don't know that part works for me, but the other part when they try to bring in Howard to stay just really dumb undeveloped jokes it's like now you're just hurting the show so it's it's very interesting that, that dichotomy of that show has always fascinated me yeah and and people yeah. often disagree I, mean, uh, I, I don't uh, I don't know I'm, I'm kind of bummed with the state of comedy I feel like it's hard to make a good show right now yes. like they've made it harder to make good comedy 
Yes. And it's my business, so I'm, I'm annoyed by it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As, as a, and as a professional, you should be. Do you have any, uh, any like, uh, design? I, I think when you underestimate the audience, which they tend to do more than regularly, oh, you're, yeah. you're creating a horrible environment for comedy. Right. And, and, uh, and I will not ever underestimate a crowd. Like, if I bomb, I'll bomb on my fucking terms. You know? So right. I don't care what state I'm in. I don't care what club I'm in. I'm doing my set. You know, so when I see that patch the state of comedy and where we're constantly underestimating crowds with this dumb comedy, I mean, even the laugh track, which is like, uh, oh, so you, they have to know when to laugh. Yeah. You know, it's it's so outdated and so condescending, but I guess they don't see it that way. They tend to like it. Maybe it's, and I'm not saying everything has to be challenging in every comedy. I, I love dumb stuff too, but I just think there's a place for that and there's a place oh, sure. for maybe taking a chance. Well, it, it's funny you mentioned the laugh track because my uh, kids are of an age where they grew up really with the with the heart of, of Disney Channel. And um, my oldest daughter used to watch the the two flagship comedies from Disney would have been uh, Lizzie McGuire and uh, Even Stevens. And I noticed my youngest the, when she, the show she started watching, I think, were Jesse and uh, Sweet Life and those those latter ones used the laugh track. And it wasn't a studio audience laugh track. It was canned laughter. And then we look back at the old episodes of Lizzie McGuire and even Steven. They're shot on film, and there's no laugh track. They trusted the audience, even the kids, right. to know when to laugh. And then somewhere along the lane, someone made the decision, you know what? People need to know where to laugh. And it, it's like probably because the latter ones were, were awful, and at least those early ones were, were good. Uh, largely because I guess they had actual uh, real sitcom writers writing them. And maybe that wasn't the case with the latter efforts. But yeah, the laugh track is always that's fascinating to me since I was a kid. It's like, why do you need right. that? Yeah. So do you have any sort of yeah. designs to develop a, a TV series down the road? or? Uh... Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm working on it. Okay. Uh, I'm really talking about what it is, but I, I'm working on it right and that, now. That's cool. Enough said. Enough said. Keep it under, under wraps then. Um, is, any other plans? Are you uh, uh, still doing the podcast, of course, and are you touring more out of New York or staying in New York? So you yeah, can... I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of road gigs. I'm taking a special next month for Comedy Central New Hour special, and then I'm going. I'm doing a sports show. I host a sports show that airs in, like, basically, the TV show only airs in New York, Connecticut, and Jersey, but you can watch every episode in full on YouTube. Okay. So I think that's kind of cool. And, uh, you know... Uh, Is it a sports, like, talk show? Is it a... What's the... What, what's the premise? Um... It's a sports, uh, it's kind of like I have a lot of like 90s or 80s. I had Bernard King on this week. Okay. I have, um, I have Spreewell on next week. It's cool. I get good guests, so it, it, it's nice. And then um, we talk sports. We, we try to have like a good conversation, which is not boring. I mean, obviously, they take their liberties editing it, which is pretty upsetting. Uh, I don't like how they cut it a lot. But, uh. um you know, we I do what I can do to make it entertaining and funny and, and thoughtful, and uh, I get great guests. I get to talk to these athletes that I really look up to, and I, I had, uh, you know, John Starks on. I had, I've had some really interesting guests. I've had all kinds of guests. I had the kid from Baby Driver, Angel Elgord. I had the wrestler, Chris Jericho. Oh my God. I had, um, I've had some great actors on the show. Uh, I've had some, uh, some, some legendary uh players i you know i talked to dr j i talked to alan iverson i've talked to some really cool people so oh my gosh you know, yeah. uh, i try to i try to enjoy it yeah doing this i've i mostly talked to comedians but i did uh 
years ago when I was writing for a paper in Cleveland, uh, I begged my editor to let me interview Bernie Kosar because uh, he was uh, starting, a, he was bringing an arena football league team to town and he was playing the Denver franchise, which was owned by his uh, nemesis, John Elway. And I got to interview Bernie Kosar, one of my heroes. I was very excited. So that's really cool. Then you can get kind of, you know, get to do things like that you would normally think you would get to do in your, you know, in your line of work. Right. Yeah. Right. Pretty cool. Oh, great, man. Um, well, have fun up in Minneapolis. And like I said, I'm in here in, I know you've been here in Cincinnati too, uh, haven't you? I think. Yeah, I was just there. That club was not easy. That was not an easy week. Whoops. <laughs> Uh, I, no, I love the room. Beautiful, the beautiful club. But I just felt like the crowd that came out to see me were not feeling me the way I was hoping to kill. And I thought my opener there too, uh, the guy middle in for me was terrific, and he didn't care what he deserved either. Hmm, that's unusual because uh, usually the crowd is because that's the club. Wait, which which one were you at? Were you at the the chain or at the bananas? Uh, bananas. Okay, that's that's really weird because that's. As typically, that's more the room that's the comedy aficionado and the chain. Uh, up north, as we say, that's more the crowd of like, let's go out and see a comedian. So I don't know, maybe maybe one of those you, you just happen to catch, maybe someone did a giveaway or something like that, because that'll that'll bring that crowd in. So that's weird. Hmm. Well, not sure. To, <laughs> I'm embarrassed for Cincinnati. I've, uh, no, don't be. It's a great room. I just didn't get the crowd I wanted for the weekend. I think that was atypical. So uh, hopefully you, when when you're back, uh, you'll you'll get better crowds. I think I, now that I think about, it, I think I recycled our city pages piece for here, because I usually write for the comedians coming to that club, just because it's uh, for some reason they're all normally easier to get a hold of, or I've already spoken to them for because I played you know Acme or um, House of Comedy up in, in Minneapolis. So, well, cool, man. Um, like yeah, have have fun up in Minneapolis. Um, and, all right. And uh, well, good to talk to you, man. Good talking to you, man. It was a great great chat. All right. I, I love going deep in. Discussing comedy theory and all that. <laughs> all right, great. All right, cool. Thanks, Sam. Good talking to you. All right, bye-bye. Thanks again to Sam Morrill for being on the show. You can catch Sam. I'm not sure where I'm doing this remotely. Uh, if you go to his website, though, I'm sure he has all his dates up to date, so you can catch him. Like I said, he's mostly in New York, but he does uh, tour regularly around the U.S., as well, and look for him on the Conan O'Brien show. Look up his last set, by the way, uh, on YouTube. It was brilliant, and uh, he's got another one coming up, he said, very soon that they were talking about doing. All right, so uh, quick favor before we get to the song of the week. Uh, I got laid off again, and uh, it's just been an absolutely hellacious month. Uh, You ever seen, I don't even know how I describe, I guess there's movies about this, there's one called Horrible Bosses, there's one called The Devil Wears Prada, and I've never seen these movies, and you think these horrible bosses just exist on TV, and they don't, and you know the phrase, you couldn't, you'd write this and nobody would believe it, that's what I've been going through for, well, the, more than the past month, but particularly the past month, anyway, so I'm, I'm asking, there's about 7,000 of you out there, if you know of anybody that needs a content writer uh, that can work remotely, like I'm in Cincinnati, although if you know somebody in Cincinnati, that's fine too, but uh, I would need to work remotely from from Cincinnati, and in this internet age, I don't think that'd be too difficult. Uh, please email me pfstaperecorder at gmail.com. Again, pfstaperecorder at gmail.com. If you know someone who might need a content writer, I can write on a variety of subjects to a variety of audiences. And so that takes us to 
our song of the week. This was supposed to be song of the week a couple of times in the past month, but uh, other things just kept coming up. Uh, we had that exciting remix of the Dua Lipa song. We had the new OMD, but uh, uh, keep coming back to this tune. This is a, a pretty good tune. It's Kasabian. They're called a lad band over uh, in England. That's what Greg James on Radio 1 calls them. Uh, the lads really like Kasabian. And uh, this track is from their latest album. Uh, it was a single back in the uh, beginning of the fall. It is a, it's a good tune. It's called Il Ray, The King. And it's our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Oh, wow, you're telling me about this. i tell you about, about that. Start talking shit, you walk into another trap. Uh, when all the time you know, you know my name. 